Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Call me Molly Ringwald. This is episode 16. Tough things happen to people in life. You're not, no one is immune from that. But do you let the moment define you or do you define the moment? Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Andrew Roberts, and in today's episode, we interview one of our good friends, Casey Gorringe. It is an incredible story to hear what he went through in his life to get to where he is today. Um, He's a successful business owner and just an all-around good guy. And the story that he tells us, you go through ups and downs and twists and turns, and it's so exciting, and it really gives you perspective on your own life. Um, We're extremely blessed to have him as a friend and to have his time on this podcast. Um, My favorite episode so far, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So stick around to the end. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, I'm here with Matt and Casey Gorringe, a word that actually rhymes with orange, so it is a possibility. <laughs> um, uh, we recorded this podcast in the morning, and so we're just getting our coffee in and waking up. Um, but happy to have Casey on the podcast. Casey, welcome. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, Matt and I have learned a little bit about you. Over the past few months, we've met at a networking event and um, heard a, another podcast that you were on that we really enjoyed and enjoyed hearing your story. We kind of wanted to get you on the podcast and uh, let our listeners learn a little bit about you, and we wanted to learn a little bit more about you as well. And so if you would, um, give us kind of like your elevator pitch of um, your story and kind of uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for having me, guys. This is an incredible honor. So when I was younger, I always wanted to do my own thing, right? I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, my first actual business was my lemonade stand, as it was probably for everyone else. And I, and I, I was so I was so organized and my sign was so beautiful and legible and went through high school started in college and I dropped out within two months because I got into partying and the drug scene. And my life completely spiraled out of control and went to hell and back with a ruthless drug addiction. And then after dragging my face across the bottom multiple times, I finally realized it was probably time to actually make something of my life. Went back to college, got a job with a digital marketing company and went into sales. And I realized that I had a knack for sales, but most importantly with people. And I approached sales from a very different perspective I think you have to have empathy with sales. That is the most important thing. And so I realized that I was very good with people. And then after working my butt off to make someone else rich, it was time to do my own thing. I went into business with two people. It failed within 25 days. Lost all my money and savings. Oh, wow. Over $13,000 at the time. And then after that, I tried to go into business with another person. That failed quickly as well. And I thought I had good judgment in people, but found out that maybe I don't. Sure. And so I always knew I had a passion for real estate. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was 18, 19 years old. I think everyone lays claim to that book. And I told myself, if I'm going to do this, now is the time. And so I dove headfirst into real estate. I had a five-month window to make it work. I got a fairly large tax return back from my last corporate job, that sales job. Cool. And I had a five-month window to make it work, and I went out and started knocking on pre-foreclosure doors. 
Awesome. And that's how I got started in real estate. That's awesome, man. So many things I want to dive into. <laughs> yeah. um, that was the two hey. two and a half minute yeah, elevator was, pitch. That was good. And <laughs> I want to point out, uh, I've I've done door knocking on pre foreclosures. That takes a lot of courage. It does. I, yeah. I I personally don't like doing it. I've done it, and it it just takes a different type of person because you got to have thick skin. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I I tell everyone that's getting started in real estate, you don't have to start by knocking pre foreclosure doors. But if you can knock a pre foreclosure door, you can do anything. Right. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, for right? sure. I mean, I've I've had dogs almost rip my face off. I've had a gentleman say that if I didn't get off his property, he was going to go get a gun. Being, oh, wow. being in Texas, that is a very legitimate concern. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it takes thick skin. Scary, yeah. Real quick, walk us through, if you don't mind, like what you say right when someone opens the door. Absolutely. I, I never knew what to say. Yeah, absolutely. And back to my comment about having empathy. I think everyone needs to realize, regardless of what industry you're in, you and or your product is not always a best, the best fit for everyone out there. So keeping that in mind, I would approach people, and this is exactly what I would say when they would open the door. I'd say, hi, my name is Casey. The reason I'm here is because I wanted to see if I could help you and your family or at, li- at least provide some information to help you. Uh-huh. And then they get that deer in the headlights look. Sure. Like, what is going on here? And then they start talking. And anyone who's been in sales knows if you get the prospect talking more, your chances of success go up tremendously. Right. And you'll notice I led with the word help. That is incredibly powerful to use that word rather than saying, hey, my name's Casey. I want to buy your house. Mm -hmm. For anyone that has ever been through a foreclosure, which I have, I lost my first home to foreclosure because I was a drug addict. Right. That is not the way to approach people by saying, I want to buy your house. Right, So show empathy and show them that you truly want to help them. And the funny thing is I have actually helped more people save their house than I have purchased their homes by just providing them direction on how to talk to the bank and their different options. I'm a huge believer in karma, fellas. So that comes full circle. So that's exactly how I would approach it. And some people would tell me to take a hike. Some people would be inquisitive and say, how can you help? And every now and then you get someone that will say, yeah, actually I'm looking to sell. And you differentiate yourself by approaching it that way. Mm-hmm. It's hard to differentiate yourself with a mail piece. We have actually never closed a deal from a pre-foreclosure deal from a mail piece. Wow. It has only been from either door knocking or a Facebook message, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, I think that's extremely valuable. Like I am, you know, being the marketing director of our company, you know, I am looking for what is going to be most effective. And, you know, historically real estate uses mailers, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. And but my human behavior is that if I see something in the mail that isn't addressed directly to me, that's in a letter, that's handwritten or something like that, I'm going to throw it away. Right. And so, and I don't want to waste the money on, on the trees, you know? And so, um, I firmly believe that like, you know, that face-to-face interaction or even Facebook, you know, is going to be more effective. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really cool. Obviously it's, you know, been successful for you. Yeah. In the beginning, I think we closed five or six deals in the first six months from door knocking Mm -hmm. and now we no longer door knock just because it's not scalable sure for me to go out there and do it all i was doing it requires time yeah i was doing it pretty much every other weekend and throughout the week i would plan you know my my route through the city and it is a tremendous amount of work yeah but it is effective for sure um i kind of want to go back to um what you said about your childhood about Mm -hmm. you having that entrepreneurial mindset um starting a lemonade stand so I know that your mom was a college professor. Yes. Um, 
what gave you that desire to start your own business, uh, kind of make your own money when you were a kid? Did you have um, someone else in your life that, that led you to that or was a, a role model in that sense? Yeah, so my mom has always been an entrepreneur. She's actually no longer a professor now and she works with her twin sister and they have a plant business together. But when I was younger, she would always show me mail pieces that would come in the mail. Uh-huh. And she would say, look at this, Casey. Look how this is effective. Look how this one doesn't even have a call to action. They don't even have a phone number or a website to get a hold of them. So they just wasted how many thousands of dollars. And I would pick up on that as a kid. Cool. And she instilled in me the desire and the passion to build the life of my dreams. Right. And a lot of my aunts and uncles are entrepreneurs. So I just grew up around that. Mm-hmm. And... It's always ironic to me when people say, isn't it incredibly risky to start your own business? And my rebuttal to that is, isn't it incredibly risky to work your whole life to build someone else's dream when the first sign of a setback in their business, they'll cut you loose? Yeah. You know, I had a good friend that worked for a hotel chain for 20 plus years. And during the financial crisis, they let him go. And he was devastated. So Right, yeah entrepreneurship to me has always been at the at the core of who I am I think so. sure yeah I got gotcha. you and so were was it just you and your mom when you were growing up or was your dad around as well so my dad was around but oh. my mom was a, a single mom and she raised me gotcha yeah, so but my dad has always been in my life okay but I was always a, a mama's boy gotcha yeah <laughs> Same here. Matt yeah. And I, yeah Matt and I were both raised by single single women and so oh okay yeah okay yeah I I attribute the vast majority of my success and who I am today because of my mom for sure so and now yeah. I have a little brother who's 14 but I was an only child up until I was 17 years old gotcha very cool yeah, I mean, my mom, um, I've talked about this on other podcasts about how much like I appreciate what she did for me and, you know, just seeing how hard she worked as a single mom and, you know, raising, uh, you know, my sister and I, I'm the youngest of five, but the, the oldest three were basically already grown and gone by the time, um, you know, my parents split. And so it was just me and my closest sister and seeing my mom have to, you know, start her, she's self-employed. So basically she was an entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, seeing her go through that and really teach us the value of, you know, what a dollar is and, and things like that, like has carried over into my adulthood and kind of made me the person who I am today. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Your yeah. mom's a rock star, man. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Now, it sounds like the empathy might come from your mom. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah very much so. She has a heart of gold and... Again, if it wasn't for her, I, I wouldn't be here yeah. talking with you all to today. Good yes, yeah. yes. A mother's love is unparalleled. Oh, yeah. It truly is. For sure. And I like have this weird uh, belief that like because I was raised by uh, a single mom, like, you know, my dad was around. Like, you know, we had visits once a week. I love my dad. He's great. But since I was around women more, I feel like I do have that empathetic characteristic, right, of like – I don't know, thinking about other other people's feelings more so than maybe trying to be like a tough guy or something like that. I don't know. That's just something that I I think. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a very valid point. Yeah. Um, So let's fast forward to college. I know you graduated magna cum laude. Mm -hmm. And what did you get your degree in? Finance, actually, of all things. Gotcha. But uh, I'm not – I love numbers. I love looking at marketing metrics. I love to understand data and – how that can impact you know my business a local market a sub market 
but I cannot sit in front of spreadsheets for eight hours a day. Yeah. I just can't do it. I need that human touch. I need to get the heck out of the office. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome to have a, those two qualities that, you know, that, you know, you do have those skills in finance, but also you, you know, you need that human interaction. Absolutely. And, and I've told, and I tell my little brother this and I tell anyone who's in college, you don't necessarily have to have a business degree, but if you understand numbers and how they make the world go around, you will be successful if you apply that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Numbers are everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go back. Obviously, a big part of your story is you mentioned you were a drug addict. Yes. And if you could kind of run us through what what that meant, what that looked like for you, mm-hmm. um, and what was it that got you out of it and focused on real estate. Did you get into real estate right when you were coming out of that, or how did that work out? Yeah, that's a good question. So no, I I didn't get into real estate right after that. When I was younger, I would say, I think 15, I started experimenting with drugs as do most people, I would think, right? Or at least alcohol. But for me, I have a very addictive personality and I've learned to channel that in a good way. I I do too, I'm the same way. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people get moderately addicted to things. But when I was younger, Two components were at play, and I had a great childhood. My mom is an amazing woman, amazing mother. I was a very insecure teenager, as are most people, and I loved to take things to the max, whatever I did. And so I got in with the wrong crowd, and I started experimenting with drugs. By the time I was 18, I was dealing Oxycontin. And then as most people, I don't want to say progress, that's a twisted word for this in this context, but as most people abuse pills they naturally transition to harder drugs because oxycontin for example is extremely expensive on the streets and most people transition to heroin and that was my drug of choice unfortunately and so that just took me down a horrible path in life my spy or my life completely spiraled out of control I lost my house to foreclosure, which I mentioned. I lost an amazing girlfriend. Uh, I had to get surgery because I was doing so many drugs. My small intestine collapsed. I went to rehab, relapsed about four months after that because a very good friend of mine overdosed and died, and I didn't have the coping mechanisms and skills at that time, and just went through hell, to put it frankly. Mm the woman that was renting my house when it was going through the foreclosure process, I was actually living in the garage with my acquaintance at the time, a friend. And we would get up every morning. I had no money. I was completely broke. I was over $20,000 in debt. And so she, she was leasing from you as the owner, but you were going into foreclosure at that same time. Yes. Yep. And so a friend of mine, we were living in the garage while this woman was renting it. And we would get up every morning and we would figure out a way to go get our fix, whether that meant panhandling on the street for money, uh, robbing stores, or not robbing stores, not like at gunpoint, but stealing movies, DVDs, taking them to pawn shops, and then getting money. And the funny thing is I'm an extremely clean person, but right before I got arrested, and that was the final catalyst that got me clean, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, I had not showered, brushed my teeth, changed my clothes for two weeks. And I shower sometimes twice a day. I'm a very clean person. So I was a complete monster, guys. I, you wouldn't even have recognized me. And we finally got busted, and I got arrested. And that's what 
made me finally open my eyes and realize I had three choices. I was either A, going to continue down this path and go to prison, B, I was going to overdose and die, or three, C, I was going to clean my act up. And so after going to jail, I was in there four days. And anyone that has ever abused opiates, they know what the withdrawal symptoms are like. I spent four days in jail without any sleep at all, shaking to death from shivers. It was the worst experience of my life. Mm -hmm. And after that, my mom took me back in for the millionth time and said, you can come back home, but it's on my terms. Mm -hmm. So I was on house arrest. That's what I was going to ask with your mom being, you know, Mm -hmm. probably a leader for you. Yes. What was going on? With her, like through her mind while you were in this phase, how how long was it that you were? It was it was about five years total. Okay. Yeah. So and were you in contact with her or? Yes, yes. And my family tried to help me, and you know they were the impetus for me to go to rehab. But I only went to rehab on my terms, and that was I paid for it, and my grandfather loaned me the money, which I did pay back. But I didn't want to go if someone else covered the cost because I didn't think I would take it as seriously. Yeah. And I did take it seriously. It's just when my friend passed away, I just didn't have the coping mechanisms to do that. But it was about five years in total and it destroyed everyone's life around me. I almost ruined my mom's marriage mm-hmm. uh, because she had remarried to the, the father of my little brother. Now my father, my biological father had changed the locks on his house. When I was living with him, I came home one day and the locks were changed. I couldn't get in because he didn't trust me. So I ruined everyone's life around me. And wow. my mom was the only one who hadn't written me off when I got out of jail, and she let me back in, but on her terms. <laughs> Thank well, God for that woman. What were, what were these terms? No phone, no car, pretty much house arrest. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I could no contact with the outside world, nothing. And so that's when I developed a passion for reading and playing guitar because I had cool. so much time on my hands. But she gave me an opportunity that I will forever be grateful for, and that was going back to college. Because she was a professor, I got to enroll in a college, which is, some say, the Harvard of Salt Lake City. It's Westminster. It's a private school, and it's a very expensive education, and I got it for free because she was a professor there. So I'm eternally grateful for my mother. And that was my rehabilitation program so to speak because that's when I started to realize what I was capable of when I went back to school right that's very cool this new craze of like being an entrepreneur and uh, you know starting your own business and stuff like that you know a lot of it people don't need a degree in order to do what they what they need to do and so there's a debate on whether college is necessary and Matt and I have talked about this before and um, because I don't use my degree and now that I work in real estate, and but I wouldn't go back and, and take it back. I uh, enjoyed the experiences I had in college. It basically matured me into an adult, and um, there's so many values that I learned. Um, and I would say that you would probably agree with you said that college is you know was part of the rehabilitation process for you um, is going to college and having that experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. college helped me. Now. Will I recommend to my little brother, for example, to go to college? My mom would kill me if she heard me say this because she is definitely (laughs) pro-college. Yeah, for sure. Not to provide a cop-out answer, but I think it depends, right? Because if you want to be a brain surgeon, I would only hope you would go to college. Well, yes. Yeah, for sure. But for the most part, generally speaking, the vast majority of what we learn in college, we do not use. So can I justify someone going fifty dollars to $100,000 in debt for a generic degree like a business degree? management degree right 
I would say no. I would say go get real world experience because the last 16 months of doing real estate, I've got a master's degree in business. Yeah. So to speak. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so, you all learn that outside of your degree. Absolutely. So I'm kind of on the fence yeah. when it comes to college. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. The first two businesses that you said you started um, after college um, that failed, mm-hmm. what were those businesses? Because I, I'm guessing they weren't real estate. Nope. No, okay. they weren't. So after college, I got that sales job with the digital marketing company. Mm-hmm. I was there for three and a half years, and that's when I really started to get my stride, and I found out, like I said, that I was very good with people. And after three and a half years, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. So I met these two gentlemen at a local meetup group here in Austin, and they were going to start a technology company. It was wearable devices for children, so tracking devices more or less, so their parents could keep in touch with them, but it wasn't. Have you seen um, Black Mirror? On Netflix, yes. There's an episode. Creepy. Yeah, there's an episode yeah. <laughs> on there where like the mom can see everything that the kid sees, and it and she can like block out and blur like violent things and stuff like that. It freaks me out, man. So that is the only episode I've seen of Black Mirror, and I will never really? watch it again because yeah. of that. Oh, it's it, so, it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it wasn't to that extreme. Okay. But it was it was similar to a watch where they could have video communication if they were at a theme park or something of that nature, and so. I actually let these two gentlemen move into my house and let them live rent-free, and we were trying to build this business. You, and felt, like, you felt like Steve Jobs or like right, something. Right, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, we call it the project house, but so uh, cool. that, that uh, crashed and burned quickly. But one thing I learned from that, and again, that business lasted once we finally, once I quit my job and we had another investor that was going to invest in the business, it lasted 25 days, which I think I hold the record for the fastest failed business. And two things I learned from that is one, always vet, and this you think would be common sense, but always vet your partners. Don't have tunnel vision because you're so excited to start a business. Make sure that they are business savvy and they have experience. Mm-hmm. And again, you think that would go without saying, but it's amazing how that tunnel vision no, I've, I've, to build the entrepreneurial dream yeah. will you know, really cloud your vision. I bought a house with a guy and he had a foreclosure on his record. And I didn't know. And mm-hmm. I just had tunnel vision. I'm still glad I did the deal, but he never brought it up. And that's something that I should have found out. You mm-hmm. know, I've heard of people saying, do a credit check and a background check on all your partners. And I agree. Like To just go that little step and find something out, is, it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's invaluable. And the second thing I learned was look to see how they manage their personal finances. Because I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, that's how they're going to manage the business finances. Yeah. And so the business crashed and burned quickly. That investor that was going to invest, he realized that the CEO was a nutcase, as we all did. Mm-hmm. And so we quit that, and he said, hey, will you come help me build my U.S.-based business? He had a technology business building CRMs. But he started in Nigeria, Africa. And so he was trying to get his U.S.-based business off the ground. And he said, hey, you know, I'll give you 10%. You have to invest over two or three years, but will you help me build that? So I said, sure. Well, he would go over to either Nigeria or London, and he would disappear for three to four weeks at a time. No communication, no email, no phone calls, no WhatsApp, nothing. And so that lasted two months. I said, look, bud, yeah, I hate to do this. I've only ever quit two jobs on the spot, but I said, my time is more valuable. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And so that crashed and burned quickly. And then... April 26, 2017, I said, okay, Casey, 
you've always wanted to do your own thing. Here's your chance. Yeah. Go big or go home. Nice. And it, so I dove in headfirst into real estate. I didn't just dip my toes in. I dove in headfirst. What what awesome. got you started on that? Like, why'd you pick real estate? I always, like I said, I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was younger, and I was always fascinated by real estate and building things. I mean, I loved Legos as a kid, and I just love growth. I love production, and I started watching YouTube videos of how to make money in real estate, mm-hmm. and then I came across wholesaling, which I had never heard of before, mm-hmm. and the appeal of wholesaling is you don't need money. Yeah. You don't need good credit. You just have to be good with people and have hustle. Yeah. And those are the two qualities that I do have. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, why not? Let's see if I can make this work. I know that I'm good with people and I know that I can relate to them on a different level because I have had a foreclosure on my record. Yeah. Right. And so I just started knocking doors. Had no no clue what I was doing. Yeah. None whatsoever. <laughs> That's how you have to do it sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we, I think we probably have a lot of listeners that don't know what wholesaling is. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through what that is? Absolutely. So wholesaling real estate is just essentially where you meet with a seller of any piece of property. It could be a house. It could be land. It could be a mobile home. You get it under contract at a certain price, let's say $100,000 for easy numbers. And then you can actually legally and ethically sell that piece of paper or sell that contract onto another end buyer who is typically another investor. And so you make the spread in between. So let's say you find an end buyer for that said property for $120,000. You literally just sell the contract, make $20,000 in between. You assign the contract is what it's called typically. Mm And so you don't even have to show up to the title company. You just assign your rights to that contract. And again, it is legal and there is a right and a wrong way to go about it, but we are ethical about it. We disclose to both parties what we're doing. Wholesaling sometimes get a, gets a bad rap because there's a gray area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't always come forth to the sellers what they're planning right. on doing. And right. you got to be careful uh, if you're the, that end buyer because there's a lot of wholesalers that will overpromise and 100 you, know, you think you're getting a great deal but you're not so that's something that people have to look out for yeah do your due diligence a lot of wholesalers have a bad reputation because they are not transparent with both the sellers and the end buyers and if y'all have ever seen any of our properties we disclose everything I, it takes me an hour and a half just to write up the description of the property it's like oh, writing wow. a mini novel yeah. <laughs> But my reputation means everything to me, and I wish more people would view it that way. Yeah. It takes years to build a reputation and seconds to crush one. Yeah, for sure. We, I was looking at a house yesterday, or two days ago, and I liked it a lot. And then that morning, New Western sent it out. So they had a double wholesale going, I guess. Oh, New really? Western put it under contract, marked it up ten grand, and then they were selling it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it happens, man. The, Those da- guys the are, daisy chain effect. They, yes. they, they got a lot of coverage. Like I got to give it to them. Oh, they're they're good. Yeah, they're, they're good. good. At, they're good at what they do for sure. They for sure. Good. You know, I know they have a a bad reputation in some circles for having skinny deals, not a lot of meat on the bone. But that's could. I mean, every opinions yeah. vary. That could and be, every deal is different. Like absolutely, that some are. But I've seen some that are actually really good deals. Yeah, and I and I as far as I know, I know the general manager. They're good people. Yeah, you know. So I've never personally done business with them, but you know, if someone says that they have skinny deals, I I. You know, take that with a yeah. grain of salt. You right. know, it's and so um, tell somebody why you would want to wholesale instead of just buying that property yourself. That's a really good question because, as most people would agree, that to become wealthy in real estate, buying and holding is usually the best route. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for tax purposes. Right, because that's what Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about is you know investing in rental properties and things of that nature. Yep, exactly. And all I've really done is just created a full-time job for myself for right now. But in the beginning, because again, guys, I had no money literally no money. I just had enough to survive for those first five months. And the ironic thing is we closed on our first deal two weeks before I was clean out of cash. I wouldn't have been able to pay my mortgage. I have since got another house. I was going to have to phone home for money. It was, it was crazy. But in the beginning, because we don't have money, that's why we've gone the route of wholesaling. But now we're getting a good chunk of change in our bank account. So we will start buying properties and holding them for the long term. But I don't want to dissuade any of your listeners from purchasing real estate in the beginning, even if they don't have money. It's such a common misconception that you need money and good credit to buy real estate. Even if you don't go the wholesale route, people are tripping over themselves to lend money to investors or people that are going to buy real estate for their rental portfolio. So anyone that says, I don't have money, I'm just going to say that's a cop out. And if you wanted it bad enough, you would find a way. Boom, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it because so many people make excuses. Absolutely. And, and we've had guys on like yourself, like Diego, yeah. that have done it. They're, and they're still doing it. And it's proof. So it's it's really inspiring. Well, I appreciate that. that, man. I feel like that's a, a mindset more than anything that like, um, you know, if if you want it bad enough, you'll figure out a way to do it, right? There should be, there's really no good excuse. Absolutely. What are they? What's that adage? Uh, if your why is big enough, you can figure out any how. Yeah. Yeah. We Andrew and I are buying a uh, buying hold in Round Rock. Okay. And I just got back from Ireland for ten days, and we were supposed to close about a week ago. We were planning on coming to the deal with ten thousand each. Ended up being in it for sixty k. Woo! And the lender, surprise. yeah, surprise. Yeah. The lender threw this on us last minute. So Holy I'm borrowing money from. I maxed out my credit cards. I'm borrowing money from my mom, uh, and I have the money to pay it off. I just didn't have a way to get it in one day. Mm-hmm. So that it was just an obstacle, and it's what you got to do sometimes. You just got to run through walls. Heck yeah, I love it. I love it. And if uh, I heard this quote, I'm a nerd for quotes. I heard this a while back, but. If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Yeah. yeah. So I, I bet you puckered up a little bit. Oh, when, yeah, we've been pretty oops, nervous. 60 grand. <laughs> We're supposed to close today, so still a little nervous about it. Yeah, yeah. well, congrats. That's awesome, guys. Thank you. Um, so you keep saying we. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, how many people are in this business with you that you're currently doing with the wholesaling thing? Yeah, so I have a partner now. In the beginning, I did not. So when I started knocking doors, I would also go to meetup groups. And I just started announcing myself and introducing myself. I would say, my name's Casey. I'm new. I have a sales background and I'm hungry. And I'm looking for someone to work with or even a mentor. And my now partner, David, approached me at a meetup group that neither of us have since been back to. So it was very serendipitous how we met. Yeah. And he said, hey, I'm going to be running some marketing. I need someone to fill the leads, fill the calls coming in. Let's see how we can work together. So we worked together for the first few months. And then after that, we realized that we both had the same vision. And he is such a good man and he does business the right way. And he keeps his word on everything. And that's something that's very important to me. You have to be impeccable with your word just in life in general. And so I told him in the beginning, though, I said, David, I am so apprehensive to go into business with someone a third time. I just lost my shirt. You right. know, I have yeah. no money, no yeah. money. But it's, I mean, it's more or less been a honeymoon since. So we've been together in business for about a year now. Cool. And we each have our own individual LLCs, but we created a parent LLC that feeds those. Oh, cool. 
So when I say we, I mean him, and then we have two employees right now and part-time, and we're looking to hire our first full-time sales slash acquisition manager awesome. and another part-time cold caller. Cool. So we need to scale. Growing, Got to yeah. scale. You're trying. Definitely trying. That's awesome. Walk us through, if you don't mind, the details. Like, what is everyone doing? Uh, obviously, there's a machine that you're setting up to bring in leads. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Is it mailers, cold calls, everything? And then the the other two people that you brought on, are they running to the houses mm-hmm. and setting up appointments? Yeah, that's a good question. So I do all of the sales and marketing. So whenever we have a lead that comes in, that's when I call on David to help me analyze the deal okay. because he has done new builds, fix and flips for years. So that's where his expertise shines. Now we have a part-time executive assistant that helps us with just admin and stuff like that. And then we have a part-time sales rep who fields the inbound leads. The vast majority of our marketing in the beginning was door knocking because I didn't have money at all yeah. to you know to market. And now we do a, a tremendous amount of direct mail. Direct mail still works. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Austin is arguably one of the most competitive markets in the country, and we're successful time and time again with direct mail. There's one caveat with direct mail. You have to go big. Yeah. We have to spend, I just ran the numbers the other day, around $5,400 to get one deal. That's about 15,000 mail pieces. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And yeah. that takes three to four months usually to get that deal. So you have to go big with direct mail, but we've also started cold calling. So you can skip trace, which yeah. for those of your listeners that don't know, it's just you provide an address and a name to a data company and they can return potential phone numbers and emails for that homeowner. Mm-hmm. So we will cold call them and we're starting to get very aggressive with that. The ironic thing is I'm such an advocate for digital marketing because I used to work in a digital marketing company. Yeah. But we don't do any fa- – I tried Facebook ads. It cost me $700 to get one lead in the beginning, so I stopped that for a minute. Yeah. But we will start doing that soon. We're going to revamp our website and start doing a lot of SEO, a lot of SEM, a lot of Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. But for right now, it's just direct mail and uh, cold calling, believe cool. it or not. Very cool. So spend 5400 or 5000 mm-hmm. to get a lead and and that profit could be anywhere from 20 to 80,000. I mean you, you just don't know, right? Yeah, it it really depends on each deal. Our average profit per deal is a little it's about $28,000, which for wholesaling that and the vast majority of what we do, we've only done two fix and flips as they call them. So we primarily focus on wholesaling. And for wholesaling, those are pretty impressive margins. Yeah. The average wholesale fee is about five to $10,000. So I attribute our margins to two things. One is I am a perpetual student. I've studied negotiation a lot. So I'm not the best. I always have room to improve, but we're pretty good at negotiating. And secondly, and most importantly, we do business the right way. Like I told you, I think we've helped more people save their house. That karma works in mysterious ways. Right. Just doing business the right way. I 100%. swear by that. I swear by that. And man. people people look at, you know, they can look at this and say you're taking advantage of people. But I've personally bought two deals and helped people from foreclosures that they love me. Mm-hmm. Like they'll hug me. They cried. I helped them out. And, and that's the part that not a lot of people realize mm-hmm. when they're just looking at people making money in real estate. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, when I told my family that I was going to get into this, specifically wholesaling, they said, well, and every one of them unanimously said, isn't that taking advantage of people? And I said, I understand how you can feel that way on the surface. 
but when you dive into it and you actually see the the inner workings of how a wholesale deal works and you realize that there are a lot of people out there that dislike real estate agents no offense to agents yeah but one of our questions our team in our script one of the first questions when we get a lead why not sell with a real estate agent i want them to sell me on why we're a good fit for them yeah mm -hmm. And yeah. you get all sorts of reasons. I don't want a lot of people coming through my house. My house is a disaster, et cetera, et cetera. So, Timing. Yeah, exactly. So we provide speed and convenience. So there is a need and a, a small niche in this market for wholesalers. But the vast majority of people should sell with a real estate agent. Yeah. Right? Right. Makes sense. So what's your – what is, I guess, your long-term goal or, um, you know, what are you, I guess, trying to reach – in this industry, um, in mm -hmm. life, you know, it's a good question, and I am a I'm a nerd with goals too, yeah, quotes and goals. So for real estate, I want to have the largest wholesale business in the country. I do. Yeah, I really do. I, I dream big, right? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, shoot for the stars, and if you hit the moon, so be it. Right. But my life goals, especially what I've been through in life, I want to make the largest impact I can on this world. I do. I want to change the world. How am I going to do that? I don't know yet. I don't entirely know, but real estate is the vehicle to get me where I want to go. Like I was telling y'all before we jumped on this podcast, I just came back from Omaha, Nebraska, volunteering at a maximum state or maximum security state prison to help the inmates learn entrepreneurial and business skills. Real estate affords me that luxury. So I'm so incredibly passionate about this. And do I want to do real estate forever? Yes, but I would love to do other business ventures. So mm -hmm. I, I want to give back, and I know that's kind of a general, right? You I know, mean, a general answer. But you know, I'm a huge volunteer. I give a lot of money away. Mm -hmm. I want to make the largest impact I can. And do you want to do you want to do that because you feel like you owe it to the world to do that? Because someone you know gave back to you. Someone gave you, or you know, you had a second chance. Is that you know? Is that kind of why? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's yeah for sure. That definitely definitely plays into it. Mm -hmm. And just again, going what I went through. If I can help one person avoid what I went through mm -hmm. by showing them that there is more to life than just being inebriated and numb mm -hmm. and helping others gives you more satisfaction than helping yourself sometimes yeah. which sometimes a lot of people don't understand that concept completely for sure which is interesting because if when you help someone it's been scientifically proven it actually releases one of the feel-good chemicals in your brain and i can't yeah. remember which one it is but it's almost self-serving right when you help someone yeah so it, it makes you happier as a human being so yeah for why, sure. why not do it <laughs> i know no, i totally yeah i totally agree with you and like um sometimes like i feel i have this weird like feeling of guilt or uh that like when i help someone I'm like because it makes me feel so good and i'm like ah am i just doing this selfishly so right. i feel good <laughs> yeah. but still yeah. i mean i'm still gonna do it yeah so, as yeah. long as you don't help a, a specific person with the intent of them giving oh, back right, to you right, right that's yeah. if, if there's an ulterior motive then yes that's probably not the right reasons but for sure i know you're a good person brother so i know <laughs> you do it for the right reasons <laughs> Thanks, buddy. i appreciate <laughs> it um and so like i i'm a firm believer in that you know everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. and I, I know that like you know you went through a ton of struggle in your life and you know the lowest of lows and um you know i feel like your perspective on it has given you this opportunity to see your struggles as the opportunity to help others, right? Mm -hmm. um, without that struggle, you might not have this drive, this ambition, 
um, to one, be successful in your own personal life, and two, help others to, like you said, prevent going through what you went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think that's, I think that's huge. And would you, I mean, this is a, a tough question, but, you know, like if you could go back, would you, would you not do it again? You know, what you went through? That's, yeah, that's a really good question, man. And I've thought about that many a time, many a time. And in the beginning, I had so many regrets, right? Uh, I had a, a gnarly scar on my stomach because of the surgery I had to get because I was using so many drugs and just all the people that I just broke our relationships. And so I did have a lot of regrets in the beginning. But fast forward, you know, I have nearly nine years of sobriety under my belt. I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. I would not change a thing. I am this driven because of what I went through. And I do want to make the impact that I want to make because of what I went through. Right. And, you know, anyone that goes through a hardship in life, there's a really good book, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Have you? I have not. Okay. Highly recommend that. Yeah. He was a Jew during World War II. And him and all his family went to the Holocaust, through the Holocaust, Nazi war camps. And he was a young doctor young, beautiful wife. I believe they had a child, lost everything. Uh He was the only one that survived. And he wrote a book afterwards. Uh And I'm probably not giving it due justice, but the premise of the book was tough things happen to people in life. You're not, no one is immune from that. But do you let the moment define you or do you define the moment? And that's, that was the turning point in my life when I was sitting there in that jail cell. And I said, okay, Casey, what are you going to do now, bud? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. know, right? Yeah. Are, are you going to let? Are you going to be an addict forever? Are Are you going to be a junkie forever? Yeah, you know. Now I'd like to think that I'm a real estate junkie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a junkie, but yeah, I've just yeah. I've channeled that right. into a, a much better and more prosperous, healthier path. way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But to answer your question, hundred percent, I would not change a thing. Yeah, I really wouldn't. And now I look at the scars on my body, the physical and emotional scars, and I wear it as a badge of honor. That's as awesome. twisted as that may sound. No, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I mean, um, I wouldn't, you know, wish, you know, your story on someone else, but um, just as you wouldn't, that's why you're trying to, you know, prevent it from happening to others. Um, but, you know, like I I see that as, um, you know, part of your story and what made you into who you are today. And um, I look at some of the things that I went through in my life don't compare to you know what you went through but um you know during that time you know felt it was terrible but I look back and I'm so grateful for you know some of the lowest times in my life because it made me who I am today it made me more grateful for what I have more appreciative more empathetic which I know you've you know touched on before as well and um like I said like you know I wouldn't I wouldn't take those back mm-hmm. that's yeah. awesome man yeah that's awesome wow. well cool man so you got any deals you're looking at today uh, I have a lot of leads to follow up with. We just dropped uh, our largest mail campaign yet, uh, 15,000 pieces in one fell swoop. Wow. And so, yeah, my uh, one of our team members, our sales reps, he's been a little overwhelmed with leads. So, yeah, I got to follow up with a few. Have an appointment with a homeowner later today, so hopefully that'll go well. Great. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, uh, how can people get in touch with you that maybe want to find some deals that you're sending out? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm active on Facebook. Uh, you can look me up, Casey Gorange, G-O-R-R-I-N-G-E. Fairly active on LinkedIn, so if people want to find me there. Cool. Awesome, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, anyone that reaches out to me, I'm willing to take time for them. 
you know, because uh, I've I've had a helping hand along the way. So as long as you're a good person, I'll make time for you. There That's you my one caveat. <laughs> yeah, if I think you're a snake, uh, I want nothing to do with you. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> all right, well, I will put uh, all your information in the show notes. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, Absolutely. Man. Thanks guys. for sharing your story. I think it's extremely motivational. And it's really cool to see what you're doing. And we'd love to stay in touch and see where it all leads. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate this, fellas. All right. Have a good day, guys. In full transparency, we recorded this episode a couple weeks ago. And going back over it just really excites me again to to listen to Casey's story and to hear um, everything that he went through and um, his incredible struggle. And um, really... I personally get a lot of motivation and inspiration out of this story, and I hope you guys did too. And um, I am extremely grateful for for Casey for him sharing his time with us and sharing his story. And I know that um, he has helped so many people around him, and I know that he will continue to be super successful. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, he's happy, and and I feel like that's all that matters, right? Is that's why we're trying to achieve this financial freedom is to to reach that happiness and in that goal. And, you know, he's on that path and, um, you know, we can take note from that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we release a new episode every week and, um, we are on, um, all forms of social media. Um, and our company is at www.treehomes.com. Thanks a lot guys.